right, we're zipping right on through. Fixing to be May, just right around the corner here. Mother's Day coming up. And uh, we're going to talk about one of the basics today that we uh, need to talk about because we all struggle with it. And uh, the title of today's message is called Spiritual Chicken. And we'll talk about what that means in just a minute. Let's go to the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to be able to get into your word today. Father, we just ask you to open us up to receive it, Lord, both our hearts, our minds, Father, and to be able to, to process it, take it in, to use it, Father, and take myself out of the way and know that your true message shines through. This is the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Spiritual chicken. So you ever uh, seen the, the old game, maybe on a, on a TV show, a movie, where you have two cars that are speeding towards one another? And at the last minute, one of them is going to diverge and they're going to turn away, leaving the other person the winner because the other person chickened out. And uh, this is going to be a, a twofold analogy for today. Because number one is this is kind of the way we do with our situations in life. We have a situation, no matter what it might be, whether it be a, a financial problem, whether it be an illness, whether it be a, a troubling person in our life, no matter what that issue is that's causing us some form of discomfort, it is coming at us. And of course, life is always moving. So we are moving towards that problem. We're on a collision course. Now, what we should be doing is, is relying on God to handle the situation. That's what's happening. As we're moving forward, we are, are praying. We should be staying in faith. We should be doing what we can do with what we have to work with and allowing God to multiply that, amplify that, and then pick up the slack where we fall short. All of these things that are on our shoulders, all the while the, the problem is coming towards us. And what happens is we start off good because the problem we see is if we got a lot of runway and it's way down. You know, you might just be able to see the, the glimmer of the headlights. But as the problem gets closer and we start moving closer and closer to it, the bigger and the scarier it gets, the more real it gets, the more the danger looms. And then that is a moment where we need to be the strongest. That's where we need to be fearless. That's where our faith needs to be in total and complete control. We need to have both hands on the steering wheel. We need to have that accelerator pressed all the way to the floor and be taking it head on. But for so many of us, as it comes closer, what do we do? We start to, to back off. We start to lose Momentum. And so many times, right at 
the last moment, right when God is fixing to sweep in. You know, imagine that. That's how, how it is. If we're going to do this scenario, let's, let's do it up big. That we're speeding through and on the collision course, and God comes in and he just pushes that other vehicle completely out of your way. Totally obliterates it. That's what we're hoping for, right? We want that problem to disappear so we can continue right on down our path without any kind of obstacles. That's our ultimate goal. That's just think about it. That's what we're doing when we're praying. We got this problem. We want God to take care of this problem. We want it to go away, disappear, and be nothing but a distant memory. But as we go and we get close and the headlights are bright and it's bearing down on us and we can hear the roar of the exhaust and it's getting so intense, we peel off. We dive into that ditch. And then the problem won. The circumstances won. And all that faith that we had built up, it, it goes back to zero. Think about a balloon. You take your balloon and you start blowing it up. And the more you do it, if you put some air in, let a little bit of air, it kind of stretches. It gets a little, little easier to do. And uh, if you've ever had to inflate something uh, by mouth, like a, a, a pool raft or something huge, and it took a long time to do, you've put a great deal of effort into it. The last thing you want to do is make sure that little plug don't come out because you don't want to have to start over again. And that's what happens. When we get to that breaking point and we veer off, we release that balloon. And it goes flying around the room, or that raft deflates, or that beach ball, whatever it is. And it's all that effort that we put in is gone, and we have to start completely over again because we let the circumstances take over our faith. Another way this scenario works is that it's a dangerous game. Dangerous game. Because we have to believe in something. You know, the world is in a, a very bad spot. We were just talking this morning about how hard it is to get people interested in God anymore. That he, that the, he doesn't have an impact on their lives. That the world has corrupted itself so much and has lied and spread so much deceit about the importance of God that he's not registering anymore. People have more important things to do than to hear the word. But it's so important because faith is the key to everything. It is the key that unlocks the kingdom of heaven. It is the key to having our needs met. It is the key to having our prayers answered. It is the key to being able to receive. So, of course, the enemy, Satan, the ruler of this earth that we reside upon, 
The enemy of God does not want us to have faith. We have two things in life. We have faith and we have fear. One is from heaven. One is from the world. Satan, the enemy. But the thing is, we have this illusion now that you don't have to believe. That you can simply not believe in in anything. But that's not the case because that's a lie. That's a tool of Satan. He is a liar. He is known as the deceiver. And he is very, very good at it. See, the difference between faith and fear is that one takes some work, takes some effort. But the other one happens automatically. So we can go back to our scenario again. We're on our collision course with our our problem. And it doesn't matter who you are, what your status is, what you identify as, what your bank account looks like. Everyone has problems. Everyone has circumstances. Everyone has issues that they have to deal with. It is a part of life. That from time to time, multiple times throughout our life, from beginning to the end, we are going to be faced in these games of spiritual chicken. We are going to be on that collision course. Now what we do during that time matters. Now faith... Faith takes work. Faith is scary. You know, isn't that funny? That fear is scary, but faith can be scary too. See, one can kind of mask the other. Because we're stepping outside of our comfort zone. We're going all in. On something that we can't see. But yet we'll get so bogged down in fear. And the funny part is, look at the similarities again now. Fear is also something we can't see. Fear is something we can't see. What is fear? Now, we can pull out a a Webster's Dictionary and we can get a a textbook answer about what fear is. But let's think about what fear means to us. Let's go back to our childhood. And many of us really never grew out of that. Let's imagine that you're in a dark room. What is it about that dark room that's so scary? Essentially, it's the same room that you know, that you've been there before. You know what's in there, but it's that fear of 
See there? That fear of the unknown. Of what you can't see. When we get into a, a, a circumstance, what do we do? The doctor says you have a problem. So what do we do? We start thinking about it. And we think about all of the scenarios about how it could go. Well, I'm going to have to go through this treatment. I'm going to have to do all these things. I'm going to have to change this about my lifestyle. And I'm going to have to experience all this pain and discomfort and all of these things. And in the end, I'm going to be debilitated and it's going to kill me. That's what we do. And that's what we're doing. We are we're fear-mongering. Because we are taking a unknown situation. What do you mean it's unknown? We've seen... People have been diagnosed with the same stuff over and over again, and these are the kind of results that happen. Yes, that's the results that happen with them. But you know what? There's also cases where we had believers that had strong faith, that had miracles happen in their lives. Where doctors can't explain, I don't know what happened. This is not the norm. Because there is no set outcome for anything. God gives us free will. And with that, there is so much possibility. Because we can take that free will and we can choose to activate our faith, work and live inside of faith. And change what the predictions are. You know, they call that medical Practice because it's not an exact science. They call it weather predictions because there's always anomalies that can change the outcome. And one of the grandest anomalies that we have is God. Because he don't work within the parameters of what a doctor says can or cannot happen. No matter what the situation is, we build. We build thoughts about how this can go. And we work it in our minds. And what do we do? We come up with the default negative setting and we come with the worst case scenario. You get laid off from your job. 
You come home and you think about, well, now great, I'm going to lose my house, I'm going to lose my car, I'm going to have all these things, I got all these people to take care of, I don't know what I'm going to do. And when you spend the time in turmoil, living in fear, and then the next thing you know that you found something even better with a higher salary that's taking care of all your problems. We self-torment. We wake up and choose every day how we are going to live our lives. Are we going to say, okay, Lord, it is in your hands. I know that I am your son or daughter. I know that you have me. I am saved by the blood of Jesus. I am joint heirs in heaven. I have access to the kingdom. I know that you hear my prayers. I know that you answer them. And I know that everything is going to be okay because you love me. That's one way we can do it. Or we can wake up and say, okay, now what? What kind of new monster am I going to have to face today? How am I going to get through what I couldn't? Deal with yesterday. And we never hear that we need faith. The answer to, to fear is you need a pill. You need alcohol. You need a cigarette. We have something now here that we want to sell you that'll make you feel better. We're not making a change. We're masking symptoms. First John 2 and 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world... And love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world is lust of the flesh, and lust of the eyes, and pride of the life. It is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust therefore. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So many times that we are, are chasing the things of the world. I'm going to give you a little bit of a reprieve right here because it's not totally and completely our fault. I don't want to be that guy that just sits up here and points blame without explaining why we do the things that we do. Because there is a reason for it. There is a reason why we are so fixated on Things. And it goes back to the very beginning. And a certain little piece of forbidden fruit, which caused a curse to fall over man. We went from an environment where everything was provided. And hang on to this last part. That we knew 
that everything was provided because we knew the source. And if you're not following along, that source is God. God set up that garden. That's a model. You know, we have model homes today. If you can walk in and see what your new home's going to look like, that was the model of what the world was supposed to look like. Perfection. Everything was there. Everything that we needed was there. And see, this curse came in. We'll call it the earth curse because that's what it is. It is, and we live in this environment now of sin. And that we lost that connection with God. Not that he's not still there. Not that he's not still providing. You know, the word tells us that he takes care of the birds and feeds them. That Why is he not going to take care of us? And it's not that he's not going to. It's that we don't believe it. So we go into this gathering mode. And we need stuff. You know, one of the most important things that we think we have to have is, is money. Because that is how we get stuff. But when we surround ourselves with stuff, it makes us feel better. Because that is how the world puts value on things. The bigger your house, the fancier your car, the more stuff you have. We translate that into security. But it's a very false security. Because in a moment, things can change. There's a house that we drive by multiple times a week. And it has changed hands, ownership, numerous, numerous times. And I wonder one day if there's going to be a a Netflix series about it because it's haunted or something. No, that's a joke. No, really, in reality, I have a pretty good idea about why it's happened so often. People tend to overindulge because we want that, that status. We want people to look at us and to think that we are secure, that we're doing well. And we want to think we're doing it by our own means. So we go that little bit further. And if anyone's ever sat on the sales floor behind the little desk at a car lot, you know, they have these little little things. They ask you, what do you want your payment to be? And then, wouldn't you know it, you give them that number. This is as high as I want to go. But how many times... Do you walk out of there and it's $25 more? It's only $25 more a month. It's only $50 more a month. It's only $100 more a month. And we do it. 
Because we justify it. And then we struggle. We get caught up in the things of the world because we, we want to have enough, have enough, have enough, have enough. And the thing is, where is that line? You ever meet with a, a retirement planner? They're going to come up with a thing that you got to get up to X amount of dollars because we can put it in and it's going to gain this amount. And they got all these little formulas and, and whatnot to kind of figure out how much money you're going to need to, for your retirement. Couple problems with this. First of all, this system that we have of hurry up, work, 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 and then stop and die, that's not a a godly example. That's not what God put down for us here. We're not supposed to this is that's all a man made idea. We're supposed to make, make the use of our time, maximize it. It's short, it's precious, it's a commodity that we can't ref, refill. But the other problem is, is that we can't predict life. What if you outlive your projected time? What if you have a devastating event? There's all these different variables that don't fit into a mathematical formula. We try to prepare for every situation. We buy insurance upon insurance upon insurance. You buy a new product in the store, an electronic, a vacuum cleaner, let's say. And then it's going to probably pop up on the screen because we have to have a self-checkout now. We can't even have a real person. But we're going to pop up on the screen. It's going to ask you, do you want to purchase the three-year protection plan for an additional $79.99? Because this is going to give you peace of mind within that three years that if anything goes wrong, it's going to take care of it. Although usually it breaks right after that plan expired or you can't find the original receipt that you have to have to be able to activate the plan or the plan don't cover the particular problem that you're having. All this stuff sound familiar? We buy life insurance because we want to make sure that our, our loved ones are taken care of. Look at all this stuff, though. What is the key root behind these things that we do? Auto insurance. Of course, the state makes us do that. Homeowners insurance. Rental insurance. Health insurance. Pet insurance, traveler's insurance. For everything that we do, there is something that we can spend extra money on 
Because of what? Because we have a fear that something may go wrong. Here's the funny part. If we were to get offered any of these protection plans, insurances, or anything like that, what if we were to say, no, I'm putting my insurance, I'm putting my faith in God. That he's going to take care of these things for me. Ooh, that would be a bold thing to say, wouldn't it? Probably going to get some funny looks there. But when we choose fear, we're doing the exact same thing. We are believing for something that we can't see. And furthermore, we are speaking it into existence. You know, the word, the word it talks about the, the powers of the tongue. And that's a whole other sermon for another day. But just a thing on there. It gives us a lot of warnings about it. And let me just connect a few dots real quick here. Because if we go back to the beginning, when God spoke, he spoke things into existence. He didn't wave a magic wand. He didn't put anything together. He spoke. And then we go into the, the New Testament and we talk from Jesus. And Jesus, the Son of God, the person that said, if you have seen me, you have seen my Father, the part of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. So you see the connection there. He said that you guys, talking about all of us, talking about then and now, will do things like I have done and things that are greater. So if you're still with me here, God has the power to speak things into existence. We were told by Jesus that we would do the same things and greater things that he did. Jesus, God, are one. We have access to the kingdom of heaven. So, you know what? Maybe, just maybe, that we can start speaking things into existence too. And maybe, just maybe, that Satan knows these things. So what kind of stuff does he want you to be speaking? We speak what's on our hearts, what's on our minds. So we come out, we get filled full of fear instead of faith. And we start walking around and we start talking about all of the bad things that's going to happen to us because this situation is rolling down the tracks towards us. How many times are we 
prophesy in our own future. How many times are we just simply giving up and allowing things to happen? Faith comes by by hearing the word. And we see we have a lot of empty seats. The weekly plays vary week to week, depending on what the title is. If it's something that seems a little worldly, boom, we get a, a boost. But if it looks like we're going to get some straight up churchy talk, then the numbers go down. Satan knows this. We can't be faith-filled if we're not filling ourselves up. Remember, it takes effort. Let me show you a little bit of proof. My wife, she uh, is really into bargain saving. So she follows all of these groups to know when the deals are going to pop up and when the sales are going to run and what coupons to use and all these different things. And she asked me, um, was a certain name a, a good uh, version of the Bible? Was it a good brand, a good publishing company? And uh, I was familiar with it, and I said, yes, yeah, actually very good. And she said, well, it was, they had a, a study Bible that was on sale. Now, I haven't shopped for a Bible in a while. I have several that I use, and I'm pretty happy with them. I had not had a need to change anything up. And I used to enjoy going through the local Bible bookstores, but they don't exist anymore, so not much of a... I haven't been keeping up with the, the pricing trends lately, just to say. Well, when she told me what the sale price was, I was in sticker shock, just to say. Do you know that the average cost of a study Bible is well over $100. Well over $100 for the Word of God. Best-selling book in the world. You know, typically when something is best-selling... The price goes down because there's so many of them and they sell in volume. And if you can sell in volume, you can drive down your prices. The video game Grand Theft Auto V, for example, at... $59.99 sold 
millions upon millions of copies. So much so that if you was to go to trade on a version of it or sell it back to your local game store, it is worth mere cents. Mere pennies. Because there's so many of them out there. It's not popular anymore. They've upgraded the systems. But yet, the Word of God, something that everyone needs, something that everyone can benefit from, something that has the answers to all life's problems, something that has the secrets to healing, something that has the answers to depression. It is placed at a price point that would be uncomfortable to a lot of families. But this is nothing new. Nothing new. It has been hard to get your hands on the Word from the beginning. Not because God doesn't want us to have it. It's because Satan doesn't want us to have it. And you have to ask yourself. I want you to think today now. I'm just not talking today. I want you to think about what, what, what I'm saying. Think about it. If this word is not important, why does Satan go to such straight, great lengths to keep it out of your hands? To keep you out of church? Why is there so many people out there today that's trying to discredit it? That's trying to say, this didn't happen. That's trying to say that it's all a lie, that's not true, that it's a fairy tale. Why is there so much of an emphasis on it if it's not important? It is so much to gain. And that's why Satan has to shut it down. It is the ultimate form of profit. You know, people have had some grand inventions over the years. Life-changing inventions. And we've never seen them. Never heard of them. And that's because when they come to light... People want them shut down. Because it's going to change the way they make profit. They say build a better mousetrap and the world will beat a path to your door. 
Problem is that all these other guys that's already made mousetraps, they don't want that to happen. Because when the better mousetrap comes, people's not going to buy their old mousetraps anymore. They're going to buy the new ones. So the people that build the old mousetraps, the old tried and true wood with the spring and the thing, they're going to go to this person and say, hey, I want to buy your product. I'm going to give you lots and lots and lots of money for it. And you know what I'm going to do with it? It don't matter because I'm going to put it on the shelf and you're never going to see it. Because we want to keep selling our old products. We want to sell our old mousetraps. What history keeps doing. Only the rich, only the Pharisees, only the people of Jesus' time had access to the manuscripts. And we are trying to do that today. Not for a sense of elitism. No, now we just want to completely snuff out the word. And we've had this happen now for so much that we just accept it to be normal. Do you know that fear is not a normal response? That is not a God-giving thing. God did not give us the ability to be fearful. When we have faith, there is nothing that we should be scared of. We don't have to Stay that way. Romans 12 and 2. And not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How many of us are letting the world tell us what is perfect, what is right, what we should be doing. It's got a good, strong hold on us. And even the best of us, even the ones that claim the face, we struggle with it. But we don't have to stay in these situations. We can change. You know, Jesus gave us an example whenever he saved the fellow that was hanging up on the cross with him. You know, he was at the end of the ropes, but yet he was able to turn his life around. And I love that they gave us these examples because that shows that for all of us that we can change. We don't have to walk through life being discouraged. We don't have to be fearful. We don't have to be ashamed. All we have to do is be Filled with faith. 